Um, I, I remember when the kind of movement for getting rid of single-use plastic bags began. I've talked about doing high school in Byron Bay before, and I remember I was probably graduating about grade 12, and in Byron Bay it was really big, get rid of single-use plastic bags, get rid, of, get rid of it, and eventually it grew, and now there are no more single-use plastic bags, really. Um, I, I just pay 15 cents for a bag and use it once instead. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I, I remember the movement and growing. That kind of grassroots movement idea, I think, is something that people find kind of attractive, that something kind of starts at the grassroots. Um, the idea was sort of was from around about 1912 is our first time we saw the term appear when an American politician described his party as being from grassroots. He said these words, this party has come from the grassroots, it has grown from the soil of people's hard necessities. And he got the grassroots idea from... In the 1870s, they advertised to kind of poor, sort of lower class people who wanted to mine that with the most basic of tools, you could get gold right near the roots of the grass. And so any average Joe with the tools could become a grassroots gold miner. Being start at the start of a movement, being an average Joe who can be part of something that sort of grows, I reckon is an attractive and great idea. And also, I reckon one of the reasons we've seen grassroots movements explode in the last few years, kind of through COVID and post-COVID, um, I don't know if you've recently noticed in China, right, all the kind of grassroots protests that grew up and eventually became too much to ignore and they were no longer locked in and locked out. Uh, even in Australia, we've seen those movements. In churches, we've seen those movements. How much power should governments have about health and when we work and when we don't work? Grassroots movements are always people who want to bring about change, and in this chapter and this term, we are seeing the start of the movement Jesus created. A movement that was different to what his people expected and a movement that perhaps should challenge us about what we think Jesus was doing as the king of a kingdom. And strangely, Matthew chapter 1's long list of names tells us a bunch about what Jesus is doing. But to understand it, we've got to go back to the story, the true story of what God had promised, that God had promised his people a great thing. They came very close to having it, and then it was all carried away. Even when we talk about God's people, it's not always obvious what it means, but there's a particular people here. This is a family tree, right? It's the family tree of Jesus, who is called the Christ, the King, the Messiah. But a family tree that starts at a certain place. I don't know if you've ever done a family tree, but at some point you've sort of got to stop uh, because you could go down endless lines. You've got to decide to start somewhere. And this family tree doesn't start with Adam and Eve, who are the first people in the Bible, but it starts with Abraham. Verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, who in Genesis 12 was kind of picked out by God and he was promised he'd become the dad of this great nation. 
and through that nation, all people would be blessed. This is the family tree of God working to bless his people and bless the world. Abraham, in verse 2, was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. You feel a bit kind of jilted if you would. And the rest of them. Um, But Judah is significant there because Judah and his brothers become the 12 tribes of this nation that will be blessed. Uh, Tribes that kind of were in slavery, tribes that wandered through the desert, tribes that uh, eventually started to come very close to God's promise of big blessing under two of their most famous kings. Two of their most famous kings who we meet in kind of verse 5 and 6. So when Boaz is the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And here we go. Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. David and Solomon were their two most successful leaders. The moment when that promise of the blessed life And blessing to the world was within their grasp. But it all went south. Uh, They treated God lightly. They treated sin lightly. They killed and they robbed. And they were so pathetic that in this family tree, we meet an eight-year-old boy king named Josiah who was put on the throne as a kid, Featured in this tree and one of the ones who tried to call them back to faith. In verse 10, Amon was the father of Josiah. Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. The story of this people includes the exile. Started the 16th of March, 597 BC. When thousands upon thousands of people were marched and carted from Israel to what is now Iraq and Kuwait as the Babylonian people smashed the hopes of the blessed life. And Matthew in his gospel takes up the story in this, in this uh, part of the Bible where the Israelite family tree is not doing well, not blessed, not the power they once were, in some ways all over the place. And the full stop of the family tree comes in verse 16. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here is a new page in their story. With Jesus the Messiah, Matthew is holding out the idea that perhaps the time of being scattered, the time of being unblessed, the time of having their dreams crushed, maybe... Maybe it's about to change. It is a long list of names. It is hard to read. Uh, There's a temptation to kind of skip over it. But this list of names tells us that the Bible is a story. It's a true story and a story that's still going. Uh, The Bible is full of all kinds of writing. It's got poetry, it's got songs, it's got family trees, it's got action, it's got true crime. It has made up stories and it has history. But it's not a random book of inspiring sayings. It's the story of the true God and the true story of him 
wanting to bless people. And also the true story of humans who can do the cleverest and most beautiful things but just have a knack of stuffing it up because we really want to be in charge of the story. The sin of thinking we can put the whole show together slightly better than God. And in the midst of this, Jesus lands at the centre of a powerful movement in God's story. And every, every movement has its beginning. When everyone goes back and says, oh, that's how that all started. Um, there's some other staff here, and I often tell the story to them about how I accidentally joined, uh, well, nearly joined, the start of a grassroots church movement. Uh, a former workmate of mine had said, hey, listen, there's this training thing on in Sydney. It'll be really good. Go down and do it. I smelt a junket, and so I, I took a week of study leave, uh, I went down there and, you know, the first day was packed with all this stuff. There were eight or nine of us and it was really kind of interesting. And then at night in the motel room, we're sitting around and um, this guy was talking, who I knew to be the pastor of a, a kind of big church in Gosford. And then he started saying, you know, you guys are right here now as this movement starts. And he said the movement was about, and I'll read it out, having thousands of healthy evangelistic and multiplying churches across Australia. At that point, I kind of said, sorry, what? I, I didn't know I was joining a movement. Uh, it's, that stuff sounded okay, but I, I didn't know what we were meant to be doing. And at some point, why we were still doing it so late at night... And I don't know what that night was meant to be, but it turned into eight or nine guys trying to explain to me what the heck was going on. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever been the st at the start of a movement. Uh, in Matthew, we are watching the beginning of the life and work of the Lord Jesus. The start of the movement of a king and his surprisingly wide kingdom. Uh, the very first verse here would have made the original readers wake up if they'd fallen asleep, kind of, in the sermon. Verse 1 says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. The word genealogy there, the original language, which is ancient Greek, the original language genealogy is, this is the genesis. Now the word genesis rings alarm bells for them. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the beginning. Here is a beginning with Jesus the Messiah, a new beginning, a fresh one, and a beginning with surprising people who are there. At the genesis of the Jesus movement, we find out that, that God is kinder and more inclusive than they might have thought. Because God had promised to bless these people, Israel, but he'd promised to bless the world through them and Israel had kind of started to forget that bit. And they were a bit focused on themselves. And this family tree includes some things to remind them of God's wideness. You know, in their culture, women did not need to be included in family trees. And there are four women in this genesis, in this genealogy. 
It could have just been dad to son to son to son to son, but instead we have Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Uriah's wife. She doesn't get named, but Uriah's wife. And they tell us a bunch of things, you know. One, that God surprisingly breaks the cultural rules by including women in the family tree. Tamar was a wife of Judah, one of the founding guys of Israel. But Judah had a bunch of wives, uh, and he probably shouldn't have. But Tamar was the one he, he should have had. It was like a mark against Judah, saying Judah wasn't okay, but Tamar was Rahab, in verse 5, she was a non-Israelite prostitute who came to trust the God of Israel. Ruth, a lady who left her homeland and said, I now give my allegiance to the God of the Israelite people. And Uriah's wife was the one whom the great King David committed adultery with. King David at their most powerful moment, but he had a terrible past. But the God of this moment is capable of giving people a fresh start. And then the genealogy comes to a big surprise as the Messiah lands into God's story through an unmarried pregnant mum in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Even the word birth there, it's not their normal word for birth. The words, um, I know I'm being a bit nerdy, but the word in Greek is uh, genosis. Uh, Genesis again. Here is the beginning. A new chapter of the God whose kingdom is more inclusive than they had remember, remembered. Not the kind of imperfect thing they'd expect, which is actually just what God's like. Christianity is a movement of a king who does surprising and unexpected things. I mean, who would have thought that any God would decide to enter the world as a vulnerable, fragile infant? Who would do that? Who would have thought that Jesus, when he gathered his disciples, would just gather like 12 fishermen and kind of traders, people who were not really anyone, who went on to be, most of them, the founding apostles of the big movement? Who would have thought from a small faith group in the Mediterranean Sea, it would have spread out across the globe over 2,000 years and have billions of people to follow it? Who would have thought a few decades ago that the fastest growing Christian populations are in Africa and Asia and Qatar? Who would have thought that in a town like Dolby, for some strange reason, it has a rich history of Christianity that seemed to have people of faith 15% higher than the rest of Australia? Personally for me, and I've said this before, who would have thought a teenage kid attracted to the same sex from a non-church family would have become a Christian through a church of about 35 people where pretty much no one was under 35? And who would have thought, despite all the dark thoughts, all the careless actions, all the swings and roundabouts of sin, that you would be here today? And who would have thought that the one through whom the whole universe was made would rather see himself be killed on a cross by his own creatures than let them face the torment of hell. The Christian God would have thought that. That's who. 
Matthew's simple list of names is the start of a new chapter of a surprising, inclusive king and inclusive kingdom. You know, it has a start, but like every grassroots movement, it doesn't want to stay as the kind of small thing. The reason a grassroots movement starts is because it wants to spread whatever it believes because it thinks what it believes is great, right? That's what a grassroots movement does. Um, you know, one, one example I can think of really clearly is a movement called the Extinction Rebellion. Uh, that's probably going to make some of you flinch, but I know very little about them except one day one of them trained them, chained themselves to the chain line near the New Ackland coal mine and uh, it delayed my trip back from Toowoomba by about two minutes. Uh, this group has a name, which is that governments must create and be led by the decisions of a citizens' assembly on climate and ecological justice. They're a grassroots movement, and they've got a name. Uh, who knows if they'll become extinct before their aim is brought out? But they're doing what movements do. And God's got a name from his beginning in chapter 1 of this gospel. We get the smallest hint of his uh, aim here. From this Genesis, there is a countdown to the kingdom. The people who would have uh, read this originally would have spotted this countdown because of something from the Bible called the Jubilee. The Jubilee was a time when they were meant to give everyone back their land, their money, and their freedom. Uh, the instructions for it are in the book of the Bible called Leviticus, uh, chapter 25. I'll read a bit of the, the instructions from verse 8. They were meant to count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. In verse 10, consecrate the 50th year, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. We're not actually sure if they ever did the Jubilee properly because uh, what it would have meant is every 50 years uh, giving the farm back to whoever originally owned it and that's pretty complicated. Uh, we know they did little bits and pieces of Jubilee, little bits of debt forgiveness, little bits of things like that. But they dreamt of the idea of liberty throughout the land, freedom, count the sevens, and the jubilee might come. And there's a nod to the sevens in verse 17. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. Hang on a second, that's seven and that's seven. It keeps going. There were, there were 14 from David to the exile. Wait, there's another seven and another seven. And then 14 from the exile to the Messiah. There's another seven and another seven. Just one more seven and the jubilee is here. Is it really that close? Is Matthew raising the idea of liberty throughout the land? Freedom from the biggest debt of all. The Messiah's birth sets the clock ticking down to the moment when the debt of sin could be given the flick once and for all. All the sevens. And in verse 21, the angel from God tells Joseph that Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. The moment of liberty and freedom is coming. The start of an incredible movement from a surprising king and his true kingdom. 
you know, I reckon we look at some grassroots groups, uh, and sometimes you look at grassroots movements, you think, what are those guys doing? They are nuts. <laughs> I've I, I no idea what they're even sort of on about. But I want to say, whether or not they've got the right aim, every one of them is right that there is a problem. Our world has a major problem. Uh, whether it's climate, environment, or war, or gossip, or greed, or despite that, you have the best of your good moments, there is a sinful lick of paint right around the corner. You can't bury your head in the sand and pretend that there is nothing seriously wrong. Even if some grass movements have their aim wrong, they're right, there's a problem. And when you know there's a problem, of course you go and join groups to try and make change, from farming lobby groups to online parent groups to freedom groups to justice groups. I'm in an ADHD group. So many things that we're kind of passionate and care about and so many causes that are actually worthwhile. But this part of the Bible gives us a reason to focus on the greatest movement of history. And I want to finish with at least four reasons to keep throwing ourselves in with Jesus the Messiah. Four reasons to be with the, the king and his kingdom. Here's number one. It's a true story. The holy book of the Christian faith has been put under the microscope again and again and again, and so it should. Because our claim is that the real Jesus at a real time in history was really born, that he really died on a cross for our sin, that he really came back to life, that he reigns right now and he'll come back to judge the living and the dead. This is a true story. That's a reason to stick with it. Here's number two. This is a wide and inclusive movement. No matter the race, no matter the age, no matter your past, present or future, no matter your gender, no one is beyond the Christian faith. And we need to remind ourselves of that, right? Because we, we look around and we think, oh, that, that neighbour, that friend or that person I've been praying for for ages, I just don't think it's going to happen. But we follow a God who brings all kinds of people in. This is a bit of a soppy thing from me, but I actually love the lyrics to a song called He Reigns by Christian band, the Newsboys. Um, they paint a picture of how we might all sing together when Jesus returns. The lyrics go, it's the song of the redeemed rising up from the African plain, the, the song of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain, the song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, a love song born of a grateful choir. The Christian movement is true, the Christian movement is wider than we think, and number three, our God can be trusted. This list of names, this story of the Bible tells us God has not changed his plan, has always wanted to bless people and now bless them through the Lord Jesus. Every other movement will shape and shift and come and go, but our God will continue to want to share his blessing through Jesus. Our movement is true, it is wide, our God is trustworthy, and here's our last reason to stick your life in with Jesus. It's our only decent hope. Uh, look at every other religion and faith, you have to be good enough for long enough or, or through enough lives in order to get to the kind of good bit. 
But in the Christian faith, the whole point is jubilee. Jesus forgives our sins and his work secures our blessing. And you know, look, if there is no God, and if you're the kind of person who's not a Christian, you've got to have some kind of explanation for what's going on because if there's no explanation for what's going on, there's literally no reason for us to do anything. The world and history has somehow appeared and whether you're dead or alive, what you do doesn't matter at all. But Christ reveals that we are made to be blessed with a holy and beautiful God, part of a forever movement. Matthew chapter 1 shows us this true story of a surprisingly inclusive king bringing the forgiveness of sins. And so whatever other cause or movement we might see or be in, our biggest hope is that we can say we are Christians loved by the trustworthy king and we're in his true kingdom. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll sing. Let's pray. Our God, we know that you have been working for a long time in a true story to bless people as they trust you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and the movement he started allowing our sin to be forgiven so that we might enjoy liberty, forgiveness. Be part of a movement that has started now, is spreading across the globe and will last for eternity. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.